Greetings, and welcome to Montessori in Action, a podcast for Montessori educators to remind you that you are not alone. I'm your host, Elizabeth Slade, and let's spend some time listening to what is in the hearts and on the minds of other Montessorians. Our next episode is a conversation with Victoria Johnson, who shares the results of her research, Education Anywhere, a constructivist grounded theory study of Montessori around the world. In this study, Victoria spent multiple years exploring the experiences of individuals and communities connected with diverse Montessori environments across the globe. Her research has produced some insightful theoretical models that help us understand the deeper meanings and processes of diversity and adaptability within Montessori from a worldwide perspective. Together, we discuss important aspects of these findings, including the tension we often experience between authenticity and adaptability in our journeys of Montessori implementation. Welcome, Victoria Johnson, to Montessori in Action podcast. I'm so delighted to have you here. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for inviting me. Truly, it's a privilege. Hmm. Well, it was so exciting to be at your presentation about the global path of Montessori. And I thought we'd sort of start our conversation off by having you share about your Montessori journey. I love that question. This is one of the favorite questions that I get to ask um, when I do my research. (laughs) To answer this, honestly, I feel like I need to go back to my childhood well before I knew about Montessori. So Um, I had a period between my formal education where my family had moved to a remote part of the country. Um, And my mom had the courage at the time when there really wasn't a lot of homeschool curriculum or access. I mean, the internet was not around at that time. Um, But she had the courage to give us a different schooling experience and trusted that that experience would lead us to an education that would be valuable. And that really is what taught me that education is self-driven, that self-motivation in education is so powerful Mm -hmm. and that education doesn't need to happen within the walls of the classroom. Mm -hmm. So because of that, when I returned to formal education, I had a lot of questions. Um, I had a lot of questions about why things were being done the way they were being done. And so after I finished a a degree, a college degree unrelated to education, I decided this is what I want to dive into is education in the context of human development. And that did not lead me to Montessori. I never encountered Montessori in that. Unbelievable. um, Unbelievable. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) I know. It just, it just blows my mind. Um, but I did this entire thesis on why we need more emphasis in child development within the sector of education altogether. And then it was after that, after I'd, um, I had four kids at the time and my, uh, actually two of them, my two oldest, we just needed a different option for school. I took them out of public school. I found this school that was called something Montessori. It looked very bizarre to me. I could not make sense of it. I, I walked into this, this renovated home and, you know, home turned into school. And I thought, what is happening here? I can't understand it. I can't, I can't make sense of this. And my daughters were like, this looks great, mom. We love this. 
So I trusted my children. That was kind of my philosophy. And I said, all right, let's go for it. It wasn't until later when the director gave me a tour of the primary room that, and I think other Montessorians can relate to this. It's like the clouds parted Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the sunshine just reveals everything. Mm -hmm. And I was in awe because in that moment, I saw all of the culminating work that I had done (laughs) in the previous decade plus just come together. And I realized this is the most developmentally aligned education I've ever Mm -hmm. seen. And it was so powerful. It was, it was incredible. So shortly after that, I enrolled in training courses through AMS. So Mm. that, that was the start. That that was the launch. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned at the top, you just did a presentation on your new research findings. And I was hoping you would give our listeners sort of an overview. What led you to the research? What question were you pursuing? Where, where did this come from? Yeah, that really builds off the story that I started mm-hmm. with. So um, I enrolled in the training courses for three to six, six to nine, nine to 12. And as I'm doing these, I'm building on this this dream that I've had and pursued for a long time in finding better ways to reach the developmental needs of children through education. And that's just something that since I was a young girl, it's always tugged at my heartstrings. So I enrolled in a PhD program with that in mind, and I'm looking at it. And I, again, was shocked that You know, I was already surprised that in my university education prior to this point, I had not encountered Montessori. Mm -hmm. But as I went into my doctoral program, I was really quite stunned at the misconceptions that existed Mm -hmm. about what Montessori is and what it does and how it operates. And um, I just realized, you know what? Do I understand it? Do I know Montessori? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and if I want to, if I want, I want others to help, uh, or if I want to help others understand this, um, how am I going to, how am I going to do that? What questions do I need to ask? And, and what's the purpose of that? And the purpose really that was driving me was how do we expand access to Montessori, especially among populations? Mm-hmm that need it the most, that could really benefit from this kind of education. So my greatest pursuit in this was an attempt to reveal Montessori to the world Mm -hmm. in a Mm -hmm. way. And I know I'm not the first one to do that, but I really wanted to do it with um, an academic rigor that, you know, maybe I felt compelled to convince some of my colleagues, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I wanted, I wanted to understand, first of all, is Montessori something that will work for every child? Is Montessori something that can address the needs of children who have suffered trauma, who don't come from the greatest of circumstances, who haven't been in Montessori previous to a certain point? Um, you know, the children that transition from other modes of education that's a struggle that we encountered in training. Does this work for those children? Does it not? So I had a lot of these questions, but I also have to throw in the caveat that I completed my training courses for those three age groups 
but I did not complete the certification because I didn't have a chance to do the internship. Mm -hmm. I started the PhD program and despite some very strong efforts on my part and on my trainer's part to integrate the two, we were not able to. But what I realized was that this was an unseen blessing because I was able to come into Montessori environments with kind of a brand new view. It was, it was fresh mm -hmm. for me, mm -hmm. even though I'd done the training, I'd seen it a bit with my kids to sit and observe in a Montessori environment was actually a new experience for mm -hmm. me. And so that's how I started the research was let me understand Montessori environments. Mm -hmm. And I just, I found some wonderful environments who were willing to participate in that research and let me in graciously. And I just observed week after week <laughs> after week and, um, you know, took a lot of field notes. I was using ethnographic methods at the time. And that's when I realized if we're going to make sense of this, I have to expand because my research kept circling me back over and over again to, do I understand this? Mm -hmm. What is Montessori? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I had to reframe what I was looking for several times. And that's what took me to Educatia Sans Frontier and the international audience of reaching out to those all over the world, mm -hmm. going beyond the school setting to families, to individuals, mm -hmm. to um, advocates. Wh what is that that you've done? How has this been done? Um, and then combining all of those to look at the similarities and differences and in a very systematic methodological way. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and what did you discover? What I discovered, honestly, um, I was, I was floored. I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest. Um, grounded theory methodology is a beautiful systematic inquiry that allows you to really look at the lived lives and perspectives of individuals in a way to kind of pull out those really important strings mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of what's holding it together and the processes and the actions that are involved mm -hmm. and that, that really make meaning out of what they're engaged mm -hmm. in. And so as I went through those processes of, of coding and um, interpreting the data, what I found was that the diversity was phenomenal. Um, those three environments that I first spent time in helped me to realize that even if we're using the same Montessori principles, practices, and methods, it takes a different cultural direction depending on the community mm -hmm. that makes up that environment. Mm -hmm. And and so, as I said, I had to keep going back and redefining, well, what makes a setting Montessori? Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. What is a Montessori environment mm -hmm. at all? Mm -hmm. um, and is that where you got to your thought around the spectrum of application? Yes, yes, the spectrum of application for sure. Although that really did come later because I kept, I kept investigating and investigating. Okay, let me go back. Let me change this. I because in research you have to define what you're looking mm -hmm. for. You have to define your participants. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, in qualitative research, it's a very iterative process. So I could go back and say, I need to broaden mm. the definition 
of what a setting looks like and what an environment looks like. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to make sense mm-hmm. of this. So that's what led me to the finding of, of, okay, what, where is Montessori? Mm-hmm. What is it? What is a Montessori environment? And yes, there's diversity across the world. Yes, there's diversity in what it looks like. But I found that diversity happening on a lot of different levels in way, in ways that I called conventional and non-conventional. And that just helped me make sense of, okay, there's a lot going on. But what's incredible is that despite the diversity of environments, for instance, where mm-hmm. it's happening or how, how they've adapted it, there were commonalities in that. And so that was one of the major findings was this process. Mm-hmm of implementation, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how this process was, was Mm -hmm. happening and the kinds of, the kinds of, uh, sources of support that were common across these settings, Mm -hmm. whether it was in the Mm -hmm. home or whether it was in an orphanage or whether it was in a mobile school in a very remote location or, um, you know, in a typical school setting that we're Mm -hmm. used to. There's these common challenges and these common sources of support Mm -hmm. and these processes that lead the environment through this ongoing process of of what I saw as as growth. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that language, sources of support. Um, Because I'm thinking, you know, as you know, the um, lens I bring is about implementing Montessori in public schools in in the public space. And so thinking about implementation as like the critical make or break it for that school that helps schools to be resilient is how we're implementing and sources of support are so mm-hmm. crucial to that. Before I ask about more about some thoughts around sources of support, can you just um, share with our listeners your continuum of application or, or implementation that you shared in the presentation? Yes, yes, the spectrum of application. Mm-hmm. So what I found was um because I had purposely broadened this um and I and I should say I was not unaware of the importance of or the or the struggle between, you know, looking at this diversity and the quality that really matters in Montessori. But I felt that I could not make sense of it without broadening it as far as, as I possibly mm-hmm. could. So of course, what I found was as these sites moved through processes of implementation, there was this beginning point of where they were starting. What, what aspects of Montessori were they really using mm-hmm. to, to drive, to drive those processes? In what ways was Montessori principles, practices, or methods integrated? Was it the guiding force? Was it just a tool in that? And that's what I found was that it really did range from that, that it may be just a tool, just the materials, for instance, that were used to support curricular instruction. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it moved up and it was seen as something that um, aligned well with the values and goals that that setting wanted to integrate, you know, or that it provided... um the methods and practices by which those goals and values could be reached. They were practical mm-hmm, pieces mm-hmm. as well as philosophical tenets that were aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the highest level of the spectrum was Montessori as a worldview. Yes. And from that one, Montessori was not, it was not a tool. Um, 
And it was not in support of another um, set of beliefs, values, and ideas. It was really the driving mm-hmm. force. It was a perspective, mm-hmm. you know, a, a paradigm mm-hmm. shift where you put on that set of glasses yes. and it is through Montessori principles, through that philosophy that guides your everyday actions, that mm-hmm. drives mm-hmm. what you do. Mm-hmm. And that that was particularly compelling for me to think about um, the way it's implemented in the public sector. Oftentimes it, it can start as just being a tool that teachers are using. It. Instead of using a textbook or this computer program, now you're going to use these hands-on materials. Um, so it starts mm-hmm. as a tool, maybe even as a curriculum, that's slightly divorced even from the method or the philosophy. Um, and I love the idea of how do we understand it's that this as a continuum and understand that mm-hmm. what we're hoping is that our whole school community is holding this as a worldview. The, we're, our lens of how we're looking at all of the relationship building and interactions and ways of being is through this lens of an education for peace. So the, image that you had in your research is going to be on our website for listeners who want to have a visual of what I just described. Um, but I'm curious if you have thoughts about those sources of support for helping communities, particularly public Montessori schools that want to bring it from being a tool into being a worldview. First of all, I just want to emphasize that it really is a continuum and mm-hmm. it's a continuum for multiple reasons, but just as you said, because I watched, um, I observed how the participants that I was interviewing moved mm. up along that continuum mm. through their years of, of implementation and their growth mm-hmm. and their experience with Montessori. And I do want to also, you know, just um, step in here and say that it's important to understand that the research methodology that I used is qualitative and specifically grounded theory. So in that process, what grounded theory enables us to do is to develop a theory. It is different than proving or testing mm-hmm, a theory. Mm-hmm. So I, I do just want to throw the caveat mm-hmm. in there that this is not research that we would consider generalizable to all audiences. This doesn't mean that every person who uses Montessori as a tool is going to move up that continuum, for instance. Um, But I will say that that's what I found. And I found it, um, yes, um, in, in that public sector, you know, in the United States, we see, we see a lot of that, but it's all over the world, Mm -hmm. all over the world where they will use those as tools. And it really moves through that ongoing process. Mm -hmm. And what I found as key sources of support were when individuals had access to mentors Mm -hmm. or other resources that enabled them to see the ways in which they could use those tools to another level, to the next layer. And it would just, it was this process of, um, you know, forgive me for using religious terms, but it was really all often a process of conversion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as they began to see more and more, oh, this is, yes, this is a curricular support. This is a tool this can help, but there's a specific lesson that goes into it. And then as they learn about the lesson, they learn more about the philosophy. They learn more about those theories of human development that are driving Mm -hmm. the way that that lesson is presented. Mm -hmm. And then that 
gets them more curious and they want to know more. Um, you know, and for others that the point of entry is, is from more of a developmental perspective. Mm -hmm. It was, I believe that this is how children should be treated. I believe that this is how children should be able to learn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a small point, but again, moving through that process as they worked with those who were more familiar with the principles Mm -hmm. and the philosophy and who could guide them on that path and who could answer questions. Yes, this is how you can approach this situation. This is how you can apply the planes of development so that you can understand why the children are doing what they're doing. So you are essentially giving a shout out for Montessori coaching right now. Right. For the idea of having someone oh, to observe and reflect and support the transformation of the Montessori educator as they are emerging from either, as you said, sort of like it's a, it's a didactic method or tool or it's aligned with my personal perspective. But either way, having mm-hmm. another human being to be voicing this to and with as they're thinking and reflecting on their Montessori journey is one of the sources of support. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, even when you embrace it with a dogmatic zeal, you're going to encounter obstacles that make you question, am I doing this Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, I believe, I believe in this philosophy. I believe in these principles, Mm -hmm. but it's not working with this child. It must be Mm -hmm. me. And that's not, that's not a great place to be. But if you have a mentor, if you have a resource that can guide you through that and say, this happens, it's okay. Mm. You know, going back to that spiritual preparation of the adult right. and making sure that you're in a good place mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, having a mentor absolutely helps with that and to guide you through some of those mm. challenges. Mm. So this is actually another area that I found is partly where some of the tension can come in mm. as well. So in... If the listeners are looking at the visual model, they'll see a recalibration phase. And specifically, there's a component in there that I've termed having mindset but lacking components um, or lacking resources. And what happens there is kind of going back to when an individual who's implementing Montessori principles, practices, or methods encounters that space where they're feeling like, this isn't working. It must be me. I'm not doing this right. They really need someone supportive on that other end. The challenge though, is that something else I notice is that sometimes at that point where they really, they do have that mindset, they want to make it work, but they're missing some of the pieces that they need. Um, and that there, there could be multiple. Sometimes it's working with families, families that, that don't agree with how that's going. Sometimes it's literally having access mm-hmm. to materials. Mm-hmm. So there's a broad, there's a broad range in the kinds of components or resources that are needed. But sometimes that leads the setting to be something that we would maybe categorize as not quite Montessori. Or where others look at that and say, well, you're not doing these things. You don't have, um, you're not utilizing mixed age groups or you're not, um, you know, you don't have the right materials in there or, um, you know, those are just a couple. You don't have a three hour work cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. The three hour work cycle. That's a big one. 
And I think when we look at that as a deviation instead of an opportunity for growth, that's, that's kind of where some of this tension comes into play between adaptability and quality. Um, and that, that took place, um, that I show in my other model where you take that paradigm, the spectrum, that continuum of how are we using Montessori? Is it a tool? Is it a line perspective? Is it, is it a lens that we bring into the world? And when we put that on a horizontal axis, we can see how there are different components that we utilize in the Montessori environment. We use practices, we use the methods or the materials, and we use principles. But all of those are derivatives of what I see from my training and my background in developmental theory as a human, is a, is a theory of human development mm -hmm. is really mm -hmm. what that is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's some, um, piece inherent in there around the authenticity and people that want to do this, you know, as they were trained or, uh, you know, as they understand it from the readings and they, they want to do it in this, very pure way that holds Montessori that comes up against the adaptability piece of how am I managing it for the community that is before me now? What is it okay to make changes to some of the lessons or the stories or, um, even to make it more culturally relevant since it was a, you know, formed in, in Europe, um, over a hundred years ago? That that tension lives within practitioners, lives within teams, lives within schools mm -hmm. around, you know, but I, there's a certain way I feel I must do it to be authentic. And yet the children mm -hmm. are asking, the community is asking for there to be an adaptation. Is that what you're getting at? Yes, exactly. It's an incredible thing to observe the fortitude and the strengths-based approach mm -hmm. that each of these individuals brought into their settings and their environments. But what I found was that the beauty of what Montessori offered them was the skeletal structure that enabled them to move in flexible ways mm -hmm. at certain times to adapt it at the individual level. Mm -hmm at the setting level and at the community level. So mm. meaning that they were able to tailor the way that they were using Montessori to meet the specific needs of individual children. And sometimes those were children with diverse learning mm. needs. And they did have to adapt the way that they approached the lesson. They did have to adapt the way that they, that they implemented or, or integrated mm. certain practices for that child. And at the setting level, they did it um, in various ways to meet the needs of the, of the children in that setting, their language, their culture, their home background, their mm -hmm. needs as a community. And I watched it at the broader level or at the community level where they were really reflecting the cultural values and beliefs of the, of the broader community that met their needs. Um, and that those adaptations were critical to the sustainability of that environment nice. and that setting mm, mm. that had to happen. And it wasn't, it, it was sometimes seen as a compromise, but it was also something uh, I observed as this beautiful way to meet needs on those levels in, in a flexible, but ongoing growth mm -hmm. approach, mm -hmm. because rarely did it, did it have to stay there? 
over time when it was when it was something where they those standards of quality or that systematic implementation had to be compromised mm-hmm. it was usually something that over mm-hmm. time as they were able to work through things they could make changes to go back to implementing it or to implementing it initially if they weren't able to in the beginning um but in other, in other ways, that adaptability was absolutely necessary. It mm-hmm. wasn't something mm-hmm. that should be seen as, um, as a deficit or threatening at mm-hmm. all or threatening. Mm-hmm. No, no. In fact, that's really what I started to see when I was observing initially, um, in the beginning processes of this research and why I took it internationally, because what was so phenomenally um, incredible for me to, to observe was, wait a second. This is how Montessori is for every child. Mm-hmm. It's because it is so incredibly adaptable and yet uniquely aligned to those universal human needs that yeah. we have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that, that was where I saw the strength that Montessori has to meet children Children in the margins, mm-hmm. as I like to say, you know, children that are often um, underreached because we're not able to adapt it, especially, especially in ways that are really integrated in their development, mm-hmm. their home culture, their home mm-hmm. language. Beautiful, beautiful. There's so much I love about what you just said. One thing is sort of the concentric circles of adaptability of like individual, working with the individual children and the next ring out being in the setting, because I know your research was more than just schools, um, that then we're mm-hmm. like, how are we adapting within the setting? And then in the community and seeing that Montessorian's mm-hmm. ability to see the individual human being hasn't direct impact on the larger community, right? Mm-hmm. That, that That's mm-hmm. not separate yeah. from when we do individualized education and when we create a new material or a new lesson or a new story for one student, yeah. that it yeah. ripples out into having this beautiful impact. Yes. Um, so I just, I loved the way you framed that. And then the other piece that you said, I actually had to write it down, adaptability as critical to sustainability. Because one of the things yes. in our public Montessori schools is um, resilience, that there are a lot of sort of competing demands um, that make it difficult to um, sustain a, mon- a strong Montessori program. And so thinking of adaptability as our greatest strength and not as, um, you know, giving it up, that if we're holding, what are the essential elements of Montessori um, that we're adapting in and around that? That is one of the pieces that helps to schools to be resilient and sustainable. So I just love both of those. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are a lot of reasons for standing in that space, that tension mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. striving for authenticity or quality and needing to, to adapt to meet specific mm-hmm. needs. And that's been around historically, <laughs> I mean, since the Mm -hmm. beginning. And I don't need to go into that. But what I found was that one of the dangers is that when we look at that space as being uncompromising or incongruent, that we either have to stand in this space of quality and authenticity, or 
we have to adapt, but we can't exist in both spaces at the same time. And that's a hard place to be because you kind of feel like you're between a rock and a hard mm-hmm. place, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're up against this wall where you feel like, I, I can't do this because if I do that, I'm compromising mm-hmm. quality. And then you go to the other one and you say, well, I can't adhere to this because if I do, I'm not, I'm not meeting the needs mm-hmm. of the people I'm mm-hmm. serving. Mm-hmm. And so what it was for me when I looked at that spectrum of application, mm-hmm. that paradigm, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I was able to see the derivatives of, of principles and methods tied together with practices that are emanating from that that theory of human development, what I realized is that these two forces that are polarized, it's like, you know, a mm-hmm, magnet, mm-hmm. right? You have two magnets and, and they're, they're pushing each other away in, op- in, against, you know, in opposite directions. When you flip them, they're going to yeah. connect, For right? greater strength. And that's, mm-hmm. yes, for greater strength. And when, for me, that's what this model does. For me, what this does is it helps me to recognize these are not incongruent mm-hmm. with each other. In fact, if we look at Montessori's philosophy and what she mm-hmm. gave us as a theory of human development, from a developmental theory perspective, then the argument doesn't make any <laughs> right. sense because we are a diverse mm-hmm. race of humans. I mean, there's there's no sameness mm-hmm. across the globe or across time. Mm-hmm. And and I think that um if if it really is universal, if we really do want to think about Montessori as being for everyone, then we have to understand that it's it's beauty mm-hmm. is in its ability. Mm-hmm to adapt to the diverse needs mm-hmm. of of the people that we that we serve mm-hmm. with it. I think of um that quotation of Montessori's of um you know this wasn't a, this wasn't my method that I created. This you know this mm-hmm. is from observation of development. I didn't I'm not making this up. This is what I observe and notice and to watch over yes. her lifetime her adaptations to her own thinking based on her mm-hmm. awareness of community needs and adapting to what she's noticing, both about um, human development and about, as you mentioned, you know, going from Italy to India to the Netherlands and mm-hmm. just understanding what mm-hmm. are the universal human tendencies? What are the aspects and elements? Um, and how are we holding to those and adapting within that? Um, rather than having a prescribed exact way that it must go. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and you bring up a great point. When we look at it historically, we really do see a rich history a diverse adaptation mm-hmm. of Montessori, whether it was something that she was a part of and oversaw or something that was um, an offshoot of that and maybe not appreciated so much um, because also historically we see how much she insisted on the authenticity of her method. And there's reasons for that too. I think where we get confused is that we we get away from those core pieces mm-hmm. that that really serve as the centering point, which I believe really are those Montessori principles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And, and we start to look at it as though everyone needs to have it look the same way. Well, the problem with that is that, um, we don't all want the same outcomes. Mm -hmm. So I approach my research, um, from a human capability view. In other words, that I believe that education, um, should serve the person in ways that they're able to pursue what they value. Um, and that's from different philosophical tenets of Sen and others. But essentially, if that's the case, or whether it is or not, the outcomes that we desire are going to shape the kind of environments that we mm -hmm. want. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the struggle mm -hmm. that we find ourselves in is a struggle of outcomes. And I think mm -hmm. especially within the the mm -hmm. public Montessori mm -hmm. sector, we are trying to exist in a space where we can serve children through education in the most developmentally mm -hmm. way possible. Mm -hmm. But we are not necessarily the ones that get to design those outcomes, those, those standards of accountability that we have to meet. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's an important component because I, I think Montessori could, um, Montessori principles and practices can be used to support a lot of different outcomes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I do think that is an important part of the conversation. Yeah. And I think you're, we're back to the word tension in, um, that Montessorians want to bring that whole child outcome to, um, mm -hmm you know, a method of education in the United States of America that has been been purely about academic capabilities, you know, what children can do um, yes. as opposed to, yes. so, you know, it's not, um, it's not how they learn, it's what they've learned, right? And so Montessorians mm -hmm. bringing it back yep. to the essential yes. human and figuring out how they learn to support them and what is your cosmic task and how will you change the world when you leave here um, doesn't have to be juxtaposed to what our public education right. system, it can be along with, right? And so now we're back to the word tension, mm -hmm. which is reminding me of another conversation I was in um, about special education and general education and how that's mm -hmm. a very important healthy tension in the conversation as well. Um, and these these things don't mean one way or the other, better or worse, or not binary in any way. Um, but they're, they're yeah. part of, I think, the richness and the richness in your research um, of seeing those magnets reversed and coming together to create yes. something so solid that it's even hard to split. Yes, yes. And I love how you refer to it as healthy tension because I do believe it is. That is a catalyst for mm -hmm. growth. That That is a really important key. Mm -hmm. And that tension can exist in a lot of different layers and forms and we can get confused. I think the danger really is when we start to, in my mind, when we start to look at ourselves as saying, well, I'm not doing this right or I'm not adhering to a perfect, um, a perfect systematic application of Montessori principles, practices, methods as defined by ABC. Mm -hmm. So therefore th maybe this really isn't Montessori. Mm -hmm. Maybe this isn't, maybe I'm not, I'm not doing this well enough. And I don't think that's a desirable place mm -hmm. to be. When we look at it as healthy tension, it really enables us to see this is an opportunity for growth. This isn't, um, it, it doesn't have to be that either or. 
Mm-hmm. You've mentioned a few times across the conversation, um, I don't know, the word that comes to mind is like doubt or insecurity of the Montessori educator. And I think partly it's that this, it's an anomaly. It's this new way of thinking, whether it's in a school setting or a home setting or an elder care or Mm -hmm. that it's a, it's a Mm -hmm. contrasting way to bring this sort of constructivist Mm -hmm. viewpoint in. And there can be a a great deal of, of doubt that comes in when you're trying to forward something so different from what is perhaps seen as a cultural norm. And I think that is a tension in and of itself and brings us back to understanding that this is a faith-based method, right? That we have to actually Mm -hmm. believe in the ability of this method to create the outcomes in order for it to create the outcomes. If we get frightened and we water it down dramatically, we won't, we won't get to those outcomes that we hoped for. Right. And so what is it in us that we get to hear and be affirmed? Okay. Doubt is going to be part of the journey. And now I'm back to, back to your thought about coaching, right? Who do we have to talk to when we fall into those moments, those natural moments of doubt about this, um, method, very different, so different that it's not even taught in education courses or apparently PhD programs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true. And, you know, as much as we focus on grace and courtesy, I think sometimes that that grace piece and that Mm -hmm. courtesy to ourselves is Mm -hmm. not, is not there Mm -hmm. in those Mm -hmm. moments. And, and that's, um, we forget that this is a process of growth Mm -hmm. for every individual in that space. And we are a part Mm -hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. And just as the children we are trying to serve need to fail and make mistakes and learn from them and be gently guided on their journey and on their path, we are on our path mm-hmm. too. We are in a journey of learning and growth. Mm-hmm. And we need to exercise that grace and courtesy amongst ourselves mm-hmm. as well and within the Montes- the broader international Montessori community, mm-hmm. I think. And that is one of the beauties that that I see you know, when I made sense of what I was seeing in that spectrum of application model is that every, every participant that I, that I interviewed, um, had such beautiful and valid reasons for the spot that they were standing on in that space. And I really think that it does provide validation for, mm-hmm. for each, mm-hmm. each piece of that of that continuum, mm-hmm. each part, mm-hmm. because we're on a journey. Mm-hmm. It's not a destination. Mm-hmm. It's a journey. It's a process of growth. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a process of growth that is going to lead us to those places that we mm-hmm. value. And if we want to honor diversity, which I think that we do, I really do, then we need to recognize that we're not all going to desire the same outcome that we have diversity in our values and beliefs and our pursuits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of what Montessori has to offer is that, that interdependent world, Mm -hmm. right? We can grow Mm -hmm. in those ways with that diversity in peace Mm -hmm. and honoring and respecting one another Mm -hmm. in those spaces. What a beautiful way to close this conversation. Thank you very much for both your work in researching and the hours spent observing and making sense of what you're seeing, but also for being here and sharing it with us. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Our show is a project of Public Montessori in Action, elevating voices in the community to forward the mission. Our host is Elizabeth Slade. Our producer is Isaac Price Slade. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with others. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts.